The Rewatchables is brought to you by Allbirds, the perfect shoes to express your personal style to the fullest. Their simplicity stands out in a good way. No logos to distract from the rest of your look, only clean lines and subtle detailing to create a visually appealing look. Plus, range of colors can follow however you're feeling. Subtle, bold, whatever you want. Choose from a variety of silhouettes to match your style in any situation. The perfect shoes for any style. Get your own pair at allbirds.com. We're also brought to you by Zorro.com, where you'll find everything you'll need for businesses of any size, almost any industry. Tools, equipment, and supplies for everything you need. Electrical, plumbing, contracting, manufacturing more. Zorro's got it from brands you know and trust. And Zorro.com offers amazing customer service. From real people based in the U.S., visit Zorro.com slash rewatchables, Z-O-R-O, in all lowercase letters to sign up for Zmail and get 15% off your first order. We're also brought to you by TheRinger.com and The Ringer Podcast Network. Fellas, I believe in two things, discipline and the Bible. Here, you'll receive both. Put your trust in the Lord. Your ass belongs to me. Welcome to The Rewatchables. As not a day goes by, I don't feel regret. I'm Mr. Norton, the warden. You are convicted felons. That's why they've sent you to me. American Dufresne. Wife killing banker. Why'd you do it? I didn't, since you asked. <laughs> you can fit right in. There are places in the world that aren't made out of stone. There's something inside they can't touch. What are you talking about? Hope. Damn it, Dufresne, you're putting me behind. Hope. It's a dangerous thing. Hope and grab a man insane. Oh, my holy God. Get busy living. I'll get busy dying. All right. Chris Ryan is here. My dad is here. I he am here. No idea what's happening. I did fly in from Boston and Well, you it- flew in for my birthday. Happy birthday, Bill. Thanks. All right. For my birthday, That's I want. Yeah. <laughs> I'm turning 50 today, and one of the things I wanted was to do a Shawshank Rewatchables. We've been saving this. It might be my favorite movie of all time. I'd really have to sit down and make a final list. Um, well, I loved it from the first day I saw it. The only reason you saw the movie was because I recommended it to you. That is. It <laughs> wow. is true. It came out. It had a weird title, and it bombed. And we're going to talk about all, all the backstory with that. And then you, my dad saw it. I went to see it by myself. Yeah, he saw it, he saw and it like I, And I started there. raving to you about it. He called me. He's like, yeah, I see this movie. I'm like, that Shawshank movie? He's like, yeah. Yeah. You got to go. And I took my girlfriend at the time, and we went to, I think it was in Quincy. It was an afternoon showing. I was barely working at the time. Uh, and Barely working. And limped out of the theater and just shock and disbelief and just completely drained and like sat in the car and just talked about it for 15 <laughs> minutes after. And I've loved it ever since. When did you first see it, Chris Ryan? Saw it in the movie theaters. Uh, this is my first in-movie theater rewatchable Uh-oh. because I saw it in Lake Worth, Florida. We were visiting my grandmother down in, in West Palm Beach. I saw it in Lake Worth. I saw the movie by myself and was like so rocked by it. I actually wandered into the next screening of it that was already in <laughs> mid-screening in another theater in the multiplex. Wow, to just run back the last yeah, hour? Just watch, watch the last hour. Yeah. But, it, but it is a movie that you can jump in at any point during the movie. Yeah, and it's been, I think because of what they do in every single facet of making this movie, it's a world you kind of don't want to leave even though it's so violent and, and depressing at times. Yeah, it's definitely violent. It's definitely depressing. But the last 40 minutes, I would say from the moment 
him and Red are talking and Andy's like losing his mind. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, this guy might kill himself. From that moment on, it's an unassailable 40 plus minutes of rewatchable that if it's on, if it's on TNT, if it's on Cinemax, AMC, wherever. You got to see Red get to Mexico. And, it, and he's talking to Red and he's like, hey right. man, I want you to remember this name, Zuwatne. I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> I'm done for the next 45 yes. minutes. I'm just watching this. Yeah. Whenever the movie is on and the sisters' scenes are on, I go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, before texting, my dad would call me and I'd be like, hello. And he'd be like, Channel 42. I guess I just missed my friend. And I'd be like, oh. And then I'd put it on and watch the last hour. Yeah. I would argue this is the most rewatchable movie of all time. It's probably one of the most rewatched because it has this whole second life of it becoming a, a staple of TNT. Oh, yeah. For oh, 20 yeah. years mm -hmm. where it, it, it essentially makes up uh, like 150 hours or however many times they play it a year of, of programming for them. And if you had basic cable... <laughs> from 1995 on, this movie was on pretty much once a week, if not more. I also think, Bill, you made it more famous because no, I didn't. you made you wrote so many articles. Well, I did. I did. That, <laughs> I, I that tied it, it in with the Red Sox. You included quotes from this movie 150 times. <laughs> well, I the first piece I ever wrote for ESPN was after Nomar got hurt in 2001, and it was a whole thing about Shawshank and the Red Sox and hope. <laughs> And it's a crazy article to reread. <laughs> and it's basically like, no more, no more blew out his wrist. I miss my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I hope. He's the bird in your pocket. You're yeah. trying to give him worms. <laughs> the, the three major themes of this movie, um, in whatever particular order you want to go to, it's ultimately a movie about male friendship. There's no women in this movie at all. There's a woman at the very beginning who's Andy's wife who's cheating on him with the golf pro. And we just see her like getting pinned up against a wall, making out with some random guy. Hmm. And then the three posters. Yeah. And those are the four women in this entire movie, which is weird, but it's also a world where I'm not sure why any woman would have even been in this world. Probably or in an all-male prison. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's essentially about, uh, well, in some case, in most cases, it's about like a platonic love story between two guys over the course of decades. Right. Yeah. Um, that's one theme. Hope. Would be the would be the second and maybe most important theme. Hope is a good thing. Hope is a he good talks thing. about hope. Mm -hmm. There's multiple scenes. There's a tug of war between Red and Andy about where Andy's hopeful about these things and this peace inside they can't take away from you. And Red is more in the in the camp of don't think that way. Well, We're can, stuck here. You, you can can't see think why that Red way. would feel that way. He's been there eventually forty years and keeps getting rejected at the parole board. And sees horrible things happening. So he's lost hope. Or red bad hang. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like share up a little red. Yeah. We're, we're fine. But uh, but the tug of war of how they feel about hope. And Andy's a guy who just shouldn't have any hope at all. I mean, he's his first couple of years were pretty brutal. And now he's just laundering money for the warden, basically. But And he shouldn't be there. No. He's the only innocent only man innocent in the yeah. So when I saw this movie originally... And he and he's telling Red, I buried this thing for you. If you ever get out of here, go to this weird wall in Buxton. There's a cornfield. There's a tree. Um, dig rock. up this one rock. Yeah. It'll be great. I have something there a for you. A rock that doesn't belong there. Yeah. I have something there for you. I thought he was going to hang himself. Mm. 
And then I thought Red was going to go out and just in the moment, he's going to go to the stone wall and he's going to find the gun and it'll be like, Andy did kill his wife. And that was going to be the ending. That was where I was going yeah. mentally. And then the warden throws the rock through the poster and they all kind of do the double take and he reaches through in the hole and then there's like music and Morgan Freeman goes. In 1966, Andy Dufresne escaped from Shawshank Prison. That is like the all-time woe moment I ever remember in a movie theater. It's like, oh my God, he got out. <laughs> yeah. What is happening? Yeah. Because yeah. now uh, we've seen it a million times, so right. you know he's going to escape. But the first time, did not know he was going to escape. I don't even know that, you know, the first time you're not even sure that Morgan Freeman is going to make it out of, uh, out of Portland, Maine. When, right. he's, when he's working as a, a clerk in the, sh- in the grocery store. I right. mean, there's a lot of suspense in this movie, and they do, because of the structure of it, I think Darabont, Frank Darabont, who directed it and wrote it, essentially structures the movie like, I think if I counted it up right, it was like nine short stories. So the yeah. nine short stories in this movie are Fresh Fish, Andy and the Sisters, Beer on the Roof, Brooks Was Here, The Opera, Tommy, The Escape, Red's Release, Mexico. Yeah, that's it's, a good way to think so about they, it. So if, yeah. if you take all of those, in each one of those, there is a level of suspense where you're like, what's going what's right. to happen to Red here? What's going to happen to Tommy right. here? And you, they, they structure it in such a way that anything can kind of happen in those stories. So by the time you get to Z. Wantaneo, you're like, is he going to get stopped at the border? He has that one line where he's like, I hope I make it across the border. And Darabont didn't want to do the reunion. He wanted to leave it ambiguous. Yeah, did you and, know that? No, I didn't and know And there's they, a lot they of They filmed, in, like, what, three different yeah. possibilities? And one, and one, there's one that where they're, like, hanging out and shooting the shit. And then, that's not even online. You yeah. can't, he, like, he destroyed all tapes because he just said it didn't work. But initially, it ends. So this movie could have ended three times. Mm-hmm. It could have ended with him just saying, I guess I just missed my friend. And that could have just been the ending. Then you have the second one where he gets on the bo- bus and he's like, I'm in, I hope the Pacific I'm, on, I'm a man on and the line. Line. I hope. Yeah. And that was when it was supposed to end. Oh. And then they pushed him to have to actually see the reunion. So they filmed it actually on St. Croix, not in Zawadne. I'm also glad they did. The last scene is terrific. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's you need, you absolutely have to have the last scene. Yeah. You absolutely have Sometimes to have it. Sometimes you just need it to be okay. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. But the other thing, so I've seen every variation of this in the mid 90s. I think Showtime ran, I'm going to say like 97, 98 range. Um, Showtime ran it and they had like 30 minutes of deleted scenes, some of which are on YouTube and some aren't. And one of the deleted scenes, in the, and they show it at the end when he's when he realizes he can dig through the wall and, and Red does the pressure over time speech. Mm-hmm. And they show Andy carving his name and the piece of the wall comes out earlier like 75 minutes earlier he gets up to start carving his name in the wall and then it cuts away we don't we just think he's like this lonely guy carving his name in a wall but in the original cut we see the wall break Mm -hmm. and they and that was in the original cut so from that moment on if they had left it that way you would have known this guy's gonna dig through the wall yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they cut that so that so that there was actually the reveal of oh my god he got out, mm. and you could argue that's one of the greatest editing decisions anyone's ever made because <laughs> it completely changes the movie yeah. if we know forty five minutes in that he knows he can get through the wall. Well, yeah. You're right; it creates a lot of unknowns. I'm thinking of the scene in the dining hall when Haywood shares that he has given Andy the rope. Right. I still don't know if he's going to kill himself. I don't know that right. the wall's been broken mm-hmm. through. 
I mean, yeah. and Robbins does a really good job of acting like a guy who's contemplating that. Yeah. As he's walking down the hall and he goes up into he's sitting in his bed in his cell and he's got the, the rope across his, exactly. his lap. You're just kind of like, what the, what the fuck is going to happen here? Yeah. So male friendship, hope is a good thing. The third theme is personal ones for me, the Pacific Ocean. Oh. Both of us moved Has east no coast to west coast. Yeah. Uh, the Mexicans say about the Pacific, no memory. Uh, and the, and Andy says, that's where I want to live the rest of my life, a warm place with no memory. It's kind of how I feel. I didn't know when I moved here, we'd win all these titles. At the time, oh, Christ. when I moved here, it was like, ah, it's Boston sports, it's we're screwed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is like reminiscing on your birthday. It's and your free day. Out here. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, Chris's Eagles did beat us in a Super Bowl, yeah. so he, he can't be. Can't be too bitter. We'll give them that one. So those would be the three themes. So the backstory in this movie, Darabont, Frank Darabont purchases the film rights in 1987 to a short story Stephen King wrote, which was called Rita, Rita Hayworth. Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, right? And who, who was the male star in that movie with Rita Hayworth? N- no. In in Gilda? Uh Glenn Ford. Oh, oh Glenn I was Ford. Say James Mason, but that's mm. so Stephen King was confused. He had no idea how this could be turned into a film. And Darabont was like, it's obvious, and spends the next five years working on it, thinking about it, and then finally writes it in eight weeks for Castle Rock. Castle Rock was Rob Reiner's company that also did Seinfeld. Castle Rock, one of the great runs. Yeah. Um, in and the is, early is 90s. sort of founded on off the back of Stand By Me, named after the town in Maine where Stephen King sets his stories, a lot of his stories, Castle Rock. And Stephen King, who normally hates most of his movies, loved this one, gave the rights away for free to Darabont. People have noted about before about how strange it is that the two best Stephen King adaptations are not horror stories. It's The Body, which became Stand By Me, right. and this, which became Shawshank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're from the same collection of, of novellas. So this movie, $25 million budget, it comes out. It comes out during one of the great movie years we've had in the last... 40 years, mm-hmm. the year with with Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump, all this Which stuff. Which is maybe why it kind of got buried. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the biggest reason was the title. Because when that title's in the theater, like if they had called it like Escape from Shawshank or yeah. The Prison or Hope is a Good Thing, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. But just seeing like, oh, Shawshank Redemption is coming out with Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman. Well, that's a good point. Escape from Alcatraz, you kind of were drawn to it. Yeah. 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 So. It bombs. It makes sixteen million. Doesn't even make the budget back. It had my money. It had, <laughs> it it had, had my money. money. And then something very old school happens because there's no internet. Then we're talking late ninety four. There's mm-hmm. no way. There's no groundswell. The word of mouth is just different. It gets seven Academy Award nominations in uh, which is January. Crazy. That's crazy. Best picture, best actor, Morgan and Golden Freeman. Globes also. Well, screenplay, cinematography, editing, sound mixing, original score, and people are like. What? Yeah. So they re-release it. Right. And then it does well. And it ends up at $58 million. And then by that time, word of mouth is going. And I might have seen it again when they re-released yeah, it. Yeah, you did. You definitely did. <laughs> does this ha- does this arc does not happen no anymore? Way. No way. I mean, there are movies that take on second lives. There are movies. I mean, it tends to be, I think, more stuff like Den of Thieves where it becomes kind of like a genre cult classic mm. a couple of years later or 18 months later because people are like, man, did you see? I was just, I needed to watch an action movie and I just saw this thing on cable and it yeah. was so good. And it kind of get, develops a reputation. It's very rare for a drama. Dramas will get, you know, in, in, 
improved reputations as years go on, but they don't get second releases. They don't get second lives. And it's very rare for the Academy to recognize something like this, where they say sort of against it, it, critical indifference for the most part. I mean, people liked it, but there were plenty of reviews that were like, this is hokey, there's too much voiceover or whatever. They went for it. And and yeah, I remember that bump. I remember that. I do remember it becoming a big thing around that time of the Oscars then. And then such a great Oscars race where you have Morgan Freeman in there for Best Supporting Actor. You have Shawshank for film. And all the movie nerds, especially like in our age range, we're all like, Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. better fucking win this. Now I look back 25 years later. I'm not sure who should have won. It's, it's either Pulp or Shawshank. So it's Pulp, Shawshank, Gump. We did Quiz show and four weddings. Yeah, yeah. We did Forrest Gump as a rewatchables, and we we came to the conclusion that movie is actually really underrated. Mm-hmm. I think it it got stained a little by it became kind of the critical sappy choice over these other two that were so beloved. But that was just the bottom line is that was just a great Oscars year. Um, Roger Ebert, four stars. When it came it's out, about, it's about time. He, nice one, Roger. It's about time he came through. <laughs> did for he us. Siskel didn't like it. I think, or maybe he did. I can't remember. I don't think he liked it did as much. Did Ebert give four stars right when it came out? Yeah, he said right. mostly the film is an allegory about holding on to a sense of personal worth despite mm. everything. Mm. Good job, Roger Ebert. Very good. He takes some heat on this thing. So the big thing that happened: this is right there in the heyday of the VHS blockbuster mm-hmm. era. They shipped three hundred twenty thousand copies throughout the U.S. People eat it up. Everyone's renting it. DVDs are starting to come out. It becomes one of the first DVDs I remember buying. And then... It kind of reminds me of the way... When we did the Jaws rewatchables, we talked a lot about the publishing of Jaws, the book. Yeah. And how they got it ready for mass market book club paperbacks. Like, they knew it was going to have this long life. It's almost like what they're doing with Shawshank, where it's like the the movie... The theatrical run is only one part of the release strategy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So then... Castle Rock is bought by Turner. Turner says, cool. We're just going to show Shawshank on TNT all the time. All, so starting in 1997, they just are like, here's Shawshank again. Yeah. And it's the perfect TNT movie because- You can either watch Tom Glavin or Shawshank. Right. These are two ch- or Ric Flair. Yeah. So it's 142 minutes the movie, but if you put it on TNT, you can add- 38 minutes of commercials, you have a perfect three hours. It's literally the perfect time. Seven to 10. So it could be seven to 10, eight eight to 11, nine to 12, whatever you want. In the beginning, I would leave you a message, Shawshank is on again. But then eventually it was silly because it was on every day. And the other place it was on was Showtime, which was where um, they ran all the deleted Mm -hmm. stuff and things like that. It it hit a point where it was just on all the time. Mm. And it didn't seem like it was on enough. It just could have almost been its own cable channel. Now, all these years later, 25 years later, it is the single most popular movie on IMDb. I did not They have the rankings of the the, uh, Mm -hmm. reader, whatever, subscriber rankings, and it's number one. And it's been number one for a long time. Only 91% on, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Morgan Freeman didn't win Best Supporting Actor. I forget who won. Who won? I thought he won Golden Globe, though. No? Dad, we don't care about the Golden Globes oh. here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I'm looking up. <laughs> I had this written down. Yeah, it was a weird Oscar year because, yeah, Martin Landau won for Ed Wood. Right. I remember mm. that. What a fucking travesty that is. Jesus. 
Morgan Freeman didn't win, but Martin Landau won for Ed Wood. What's the last Ed Wood conversation you had? Tom Hanks won for Best Actor. Um, Forrest Gump won Best Picture, obviously. I mean, you and, could make a case Morgan Freeman should have been nominated for Best Actor. Not He's not really he's supporting, the, I, I right? I think the fact that he narrates the movie makes the case. I mean, do, hmm. Robbins is probably does more action. Yeah. But Morgan Freeman is the perspective through which you view the movie. I thought Robbins was terrific in that movie. My favorite I, I, thing, yeah. Is that your expert opinion, Dan? Well, I don't think he's gotten the credit. I, I think Red Freeman got most of the acting credit in that movie. I, I, it's not the same movie if it's not Tim Robbins. Yeah. yeah and and that's the thing I love about this right. is that everything from the price that he paid to get the the you know the rights from Stephen King. Don't step on casting. I'm not. Else. I'm just saying the casting process. We're going to get into that. First time director had a rough shoot. Oh, yeah. All this stuff that happens mm. and it somehow works. You know, it's like one of those like happy miracles in Hollywood, which don't really happen that often where you're just like, I can't believe we got people said no. There were fights about things, all this stuff. And it wound up being this movie. Do we know who else competed for the role of Andy? Dad, we're getting to that. Uh, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm new here. I'm a newbie. <laughs> uh, in a 2014 Wall Street Journal article. It was estimated that Shawshank had made a hundred million dollars since the movie was released. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bob Gutton, who played Warden Warden Norton, the evil Warden Sam Norton, Sam Norton, said by the tenth anniversary in two thousand four, he was still earning six figure residual payments, oh and he said ten years later was still earning a quote substantial income mm-hmm. from it. So these guys. You know, they all fix the numbers and fudge the numbers and pretend the movies aren't making money. There's no way to hide it with Shawshank because, mm. you know, every time it's on AMC, whatever, it's just like another 500 grand Ford million truck bucks. Ads on it. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, so now these guys, oh, there was a little controversy where Turner sold the rights to TNT once he bought Castle Rock and they probably got stiffed out on profits. So yeah. they probably could have even made more money than that. So all these years later, Freeman said, about everywhere you go, people say the Shawshank Redemption, greatest movie I ever saw, and that such praise just comes out of them, he said. You know, Freeman has been in so many movies. If I met him on the street or here, I'd call him Red. None, of the, none like of the other movies matter. Well, in so my he mind. had seven a year later. That was a pretty good one-two punch for him. Yeah. Do you remember his name in seven, though? No. No. Yeah. Tim Robbins said, I swear to God, all over the world, all over the world, wherever I go, there are people say, who say, that movie changed my life. Mm. So Jalen and I did Jimmy Kimmel Live, I'm going to say four or five years ago. And Tim Robbins was the other guest. And I rarely do the pictures with celebs, really ever. <laughs> and this is like, we're getting this one. And it was me, Jalen, and, uh, like? and Tim Robbins. Super nice. Yeah. I was just like Shawshank, my favorite movie ever. And it was just, he, he clearly just hears that. You were like that. me and Nelson Mandela. It's our favorite movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we're going to go into the categories because there's a lot to cover. And most rewatchable scene, which I think we've done 86 rewatchables. I'm going to say this is the toughest we've ever had for most rewatchables. I think the episode 200 cruising will be tougher. but Yeah, we're doing cruising for episode 200. 100, <laughs> we're doing heat again. 200 cruising. <laughs> And then 250 is Boogie Nights, and then the series ends. Yeah. <laughs> Boogie Nights will be the last rewatchable. Hey, Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get incredible deals on cool, top-rated boutique hotels. 
You can book in advance, which is great, whether you're a planner or a procrastinator. Don't scroll through endless lists of hotels. Use Hotel Tonight. They show you the best deals at hotels you'll actually want to stay at, perfect for weekend getaways, big vacations, staycations, road trips, business trips, and more. As you've heard me talk about, I've used Hotel Tonight many times for last-second soccer trips for my daughter. Always reliable, always valuable. Hotel Tonight's special daily drop feature. Choose a major city, unlock an extra amazing deal just for you. You get one daily deal per person. Once unlocked, the offer only lasts 15 minutes. So it's like a fun game where you have to book quickly. Not available in all destinations, but some of their best deals are available via Daily Drop, whether you're searching for tonight or a few weeks away. Daily Drop, an awesome way to save big on a great hotel. Visit hoteltonight.com or download the app to unlock a getaway today. All right, so most rewatchable scene. Here are the nominees. Andy and Red's first scene together. I understand you're a man that knows how to get things. I'm known to locate certain things from time to time. I wonder if you might get me a rock hammer. A what? A rock hammer. What is um, why? Red warns him about the sisters. Mm-hmm. What if I told you I wasn't homosexual? Neither are they. You'd have to be human first. <laughs> Setting the tone for like, watch out for these guys. <laughs> these guys are frightening. Why do they call you Red? Maybe it's because I'm Irish. And then Red says, He strolled like a man in a park without a care or a worry in the world. Like he had on an invisible coat that would shield him from this place. Yeah, I think it would be fair to say I liked Andy from the start. Red and Morgan Freeman in real life, Darabont filmed so many takes of that scene that he threw out his arm and he showed, and he was pissed off about it and showed up the next day to work in a sling. Darabont was doing the young director. Let's get one more take. Freeman's like, oh my God. Freeman's like, I got to get Tommy John. (laughs) He does. Like he is throwing a lot of baseballs. If you watch that scene again, Um, I would say that's the first most rewatchable scene, unless you want to go fresh fish. No, I think fresh fish is rough. Yeah. Fresh fish is like, what kind of movie is this? Not an uplifting ending where Hadley just beats the hell out of the fat kid. Um, No, that's a terrible scene. Yeah. All right. So that's the first one. Second rewatchable scene. Andy on the roof convincing Hadley to uh, to help with the 35K inherited. Starting with the opener. Mr. Hadley, do you trust your wife? Oh, that's funny. You're going to look funnier sucking my dick with no teeth. What I mean is, do you think she'd go behind your back, try to hamstring you? That's it. Step aside, Mert. This fucker's having himself an accident. You don't push him off the roof. Because if you do trust her, there's no reason you can't keep that 35,000. What did you say? 35,000. 35,000. All of it. All of it. Every penny. Probably could have handled that part differently. Yeah, perfect scene. It's just, it's just where the movie t- jumps up a notch. It, it, this is, this is going to be mine. But it, it's just, and also the way that, um, the way they orchestrate it when the, when they finally get the beers and like all of a sudden the screen fills with color because they were mm-hmm. sitting in the sun drinking the beers and for like a brief second, they kind of have this moment of peace and happiness out there and you just realize you're watching a different kind of movie when that I, happens. I agree with that. It, it's the moment of humanity. It's also the moment I thought that Andy got accepted by the others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, really great lines too, like this guy's about to have an accident. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh, somebody's about to have an accident. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then... uh they do the beers and Red goes, three the, beers. The colossal prick even managed to sound magnanimous. 
Um, and then Red does, this is really when Red's narration goes to the other level and he does the, we sat and drank with the sun on our shoulders. And that's how it came to pass that on the second to last day of the job, the convict crew that tarred the plate factory roof from the spring of 49 wound up sitting in a row at 10 o'clock in the morning drinking icy cold Bohemia-style beer, courtesy of the hardest screw that ever walked a turn at Shawshank State Prison. Drink up while it's cold, ladies. The colossal prick even managed to sound magnanimous. We sat and drank with the sun on our shoulders and felt like free men. Hell, we could have been tarring the roof of one of our own houses. We were the lords of all creation. And he's got that little glazed face. That yeah. was the same look that I had after the Red Sox won the World <laughs> Series in 04. Yeah. I'm just like, ah. Happy birthday. Uh, thank you. I had, uh, that, I had that look when the Eagles beat the Patriots. In the no, season. no, no. You didn't have that look. You had the look that Andy had after the sisters got him in the film room. Um, the uh, That whole scene start to finish. One other part that's great is they're going back and forth. And Hadley's like, watch that trust some banker crook like you. And, and he's like, blah, blah, blah. But I'm sure you would have done this. And they cut to all the guys who were tarring. Who were like, <laughs> just like, get back to work. I'm like, oh, sorry. Uh, Hadley, your guy, Clancy My Brown. Boy, Clancy, yeah. What a run for him. Yeah. Bad boys. He's got the Jack Sigma haircut. <laughs> he's the bad guy in that in 1982. And he becomes that guy. And then he becomes Hadley in Shawshank. And then he's all this character kind actor. Of a iconic Stephen King character. I think he shows up in a couple. I think he's in Pet Cemetery. Uh he's the first Pet Cemetery or but something. But then ends up in Billions yeah. as the senator, but he's had he's had quite a run. All right, so that's the second scene. Third one for a rewatchable candidate. Red speech about Brooks and then the the Brooks letter and Brooks getting out. Um I wouldn't know I don't know if I'd call that rewatchable. It's really good though. I'm going to make the case for it. The one in the library? No. Oh. After Brooks gets out and we see the end and he hangs himself, but then uh-huh. it cuts to Red and okay. Red's and they're talking about it and Red does yes. the whole, he should have died in here. Yeah. And he says, You believe whatever you want, Floyd. But I'm telling you, these walls are funny. First you hate them and you get used to them. Enough time passes, you get so you depend on them. That's institutionalized. Shit. Um, you need that scene because it sets up later when we think Red might kill himself mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. commit a crime or yeah. whatever. It's just really well done, and it's really good Morgan Freeman. And I think it's important because it sets up, this guy's like actually way smarter than the typical convict guy who can get things like he actually sees the big picture with like I don't want to end up like that dude where I'm here for so long I'm just it's also can't just be anyone else. so odd for a movie to do a 15 minute interlude about a supporting character right and just follow his journey I mean if they had just found out in the next scene that Brooks had hung himself they could have just done the same the same scene with Red you know they could have done the same speech but the fact that you visualize Brooks's entire journey yeah it mm-hmm. makes the red journey once he gets out that much more nerve-wracking and, and poetic because he's following the exact same steps in the same room in the same job. Right. There's some deleted scenes. I'm kind of torn on whether they should have kept them in after Red finally gets out. 
And you see him, he's working in the same grocery store that Brooks did and all that stuff. But then there's another scene where he's like at the park and he's looking at how women are dressed because it's the late 60s. And he's seeing like, you know, short miniskirts and stuff like that. And he's just like, what the hell is going on? And just talk about how fast and crazy. And it's actually pretty effective. Really? I'm not sure that fits in the movie. It didn't. It, it's yeah. better because it's they have to get to Red and Andy and Zawatneo, so yeah. that's why they cut it. But it's it adds a little color to it, though, because it does make you think, like, this guy went into jail in 1929 or whatever. And never saw women. Except Rita Comes Hayworth. out, there's cars, yeah. there's yeah. women wearing miniskirts, and, mm. you know, all hell's breaking loose. But, you know, it's already a very long movie. Right. Right. Next one. The opera music scene. Yeah, Marriage scene. of Figaro. Oh, yeah. great scene. Yeah. Andy? I have no idea to this day what those two Italian ladies were singing about. Truth is, I don't want to know. Some things are best left unsaid. It's great. It's He makes the Andy Dufresne face again. Right. That kind of just going into his zone. That's the, the Roger Deakins highlight reel right there. The the sweeping shots over the, the yard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He has that, and he has, in like eight minutes in, the first time we see Shawshank, and they do the Ben Affleck helicopter shot, but it's actually great. <laughs> ben Affleck. Of the prison, and we get to see how it's all laid out. It's the town cool helicopter there. shots are so notorious that they retroactively. The Affleck. Like when in Lawrence of Arabia, they're like, that's the Affleck. Yeah, they're doing the Affleck. <laughs> for, for me, that scene also, when they scan the yard, and you have, not all those convicts are nice people. Right. but. For that short period of time, they they had a humane moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I love that part. Even the sisters were like, oh, cool, the opera. <laughs> I also like, I'm going to include in this part the follow-up scene at the dinner table after he gets out when they're asking him why he did it. And, it, and then he's like, I had it all in here. Mm-hmm. It was the easiest two weeks I ever did. And then the guy says, why do you play Hank Williams? And he says, I broke... They broke the door down before I could take requests. You seem like a guy who would get thrown in the hole every couple of years. Yeah, you got to, you know, you just maybe like, do something. Go high and inside every once yeah. in a while. I got ESPN threw me in the hole a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> Three weeks. <laughs> it wasn't the only time. That's also when Andy lays down the theme. There's Skipper some... was like, your ass belongs to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I will cash you down with the sodomites. <laughs> no, I, th- I think it was Iger who said your ass belongs to yeah. me. Yeah. There's something inside you that they can't touch. Hope. Yeah. That is also established from that point on. All right, next rewatchable scene. Red and Andy's last scene together. I'll tell you where I'd go. To Watton Hill. To what? To Watton Hill. It's in Mexico. A little place on the Pacific Ocean. You know what the Mexicans say about the Pacific? No. They say it has no memory. That's where I want to live the rest of my life. Robin's really dialing it up here. Mm-hmm. It's a borderline Saul Rubinek candidate. He's really going yeah, for it. understated Rubinek. He's going for that it. That maybe needs to be a subcategory of the Rubinek. Is when you go Rubinek but low. It's a low Rubinek. <laughs> and you kind of have to do it because Red has to go back to the dudes after him and be like, man, Andy was acting crazy. Yeah. I don't know what the hell was going on with him. So he has to kind of play it that way. Well, also he was reeling after the Tommy Williams. And two months in the hole. Killing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Andy does the whole, 
there are places in this world that aren't made of stone. There's something inside they can't get to, they can't touch that's yours. And Red's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And he's like, hope. <laughs> Red's like, okay, cool. And then he does, uh, hey, man, there's this place in Mexico. You got to remember the names of Watneo. And then, uh, and then. I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living. Or get busy dying. This is when the movie goes another level right here. From this point on, it's an unassailable 45 minutes. But you still don't know what, what Red's going to do. It, there's still that unknown. Yeah. Red or Andy? Red when he gets out. And, and Andy right. in the cell. Yep. Both. So the prison escape would be the next one. From the moment the warden throws the rock mm. through the poster. And breaking down how Andy did pulls it. Pulls it out. Yeah. The flashback. Then we see him do the book switch, which was really smart. Yeah. He's got the long jacket. They show it two different ways. Um, right. Does that. He's walking by. When do you look at a man's shoes? Great point. I never look at a man's shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then him just staring at the poster. And then all of a sudden he's behind the poster. And then we see the digging and the whole thing. You know, once once uh, they realized that he was gone, at least then I knew he hadn't killed himself. Yeah. So, yeah. so that set for me. I knew the movie was heading somewhere else. We meet Randall Stevens. He cleaned out a few banks that morning. <laughs> Red's all-time narration. Yeah. And to crawl to freedom through 500 yards of shit-smelling foulness I can't even imagine. Or maybe I just don't want to. Five hundred yards. That's the length of five football fields, just shy of half a mile. Andy Dufresne headed for the Pacific. Five football fields. And then my dad's single favorite part. Sometimes it makes me sad, though, Andy being gone. I have to remind myself that some birds aren't meant to be caged. Their feathers are just too bright. And when they fly away, the part of you that knows it was a sin to lock them up does rejoice. But still, the place you live in is that much more drab and empty that they're gone. I guess I just miss my friend. This is, my dad was saying this to himself when I moved from Boston, L.A. It's like, some birds aren't meant to be caged. Bill had to go to L.A. and work for Jimmy Kimmel. His feathers were just too bright. Jimmy was your Zewatane. He was. He was the boat you were standing. The J.K.L. Green Room was my Zewatane. I'm like, what's happening? Who was your red? I don't know. Probably Sal. (laughs) You sound Uh, so disappointed. (laughs) Sal's a man who knows how to get things. Sure. He's a man who knows how to make bets. So that scene's out of control. The Andy prison escape. Yeah. The Randall Stevens the next day, just everything, how he executes it. I remember the first time watching that, just being like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. So much thought and care. And then finally, two more rewatchable scenes, actually. This is all basically the same scene. Red going to Buxton. Mm. The cornfield. That one I love because... This movie is so good. I mean, like a lot of people always, you you talked about in the beginning of the pod, the the geology reference, the pressure and time thing. But this movie is really, really good 
at depicting the passage of time in a not showy way. Like, you know, if you watch like the Leonardo DiCaprio, J. Edgar Hoover movie, he ages like 50 years in that movie. And you're like, all right, that's just yeah. DiCaprio mm-hmm. with old guy makeup. But this this movie shows sort of like the patience it took for them, for the characters to go through the experience they went through. And that Buxton walk that he does, like when he finally gets out there and then they drop him off and then he walks through down the country road all the way and keeps looking for the right field. It's like, you feel like you're really going along on that journey. There's something about the editing that makes you feel like, man, this guy must've spent all day looking for the tree. Yeah. Mm. You know, and and that's the movie at large. You kind of feel like you go through decades with these guys. You know what? You know why he did it? Because there was only one thing that stopped him from breaking his parole. It's a promise he made <laughs> a to promise Andy. promise to Andy. Um, I love that scene as well. I also think really underrated when he yeah and he's he gets the box shoulder. and he's kind of like yeah looking around like still thinking like a criminal almost and then he gets the money and he does it again he's looking around again like oh shit and the letter yeah dear red if you're reading this you've gotten out and if you've come this far maybe you're willing to come a little further you remember the name of the town don't you say what to nail I could use a good man to help me get my project on wheels. I'll keep an eye out for you and the chessboard ready. Remember, Red, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. I will be hoping that this letter finds you and finds you well. Your friend, Andy. Kind of sticks it to him there a little bit. All the times they played chess, it was like, I didn't feel he I stuck, kept telling, no, it's like, hey, come on, Red. I told you hope was a good but thing. But keeping him in suspense was good. If those yeah, guys had all good. felt like good, Dufresne got out, It would they would have implicated themselves. I thought he was still motivating Red to do what he wanted him to do. You could make the case Red should have just immediately just gone to Zawatneo. He didn't need to go to the cornfield. And he told him he was going. We had, no, him like we had no 10 money. bucks when he got out of prison. Yeah, he could have robbed the bank and then just taken <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. Let's get a manhunt going. Shawshank 2 on the run. No, when he got on the bus, he said, this is only the second crime I've ever committed. Right. You don't want to. Parole violation. Yeah. I'll be hoping this letter finds you and finds you well, your friend Andy. And then Red does the <laughs> trying not to choke up face. Mm-hmm. In the wrong hands, that scene is mangled by the wrong actor. Mm. They're either trying to sell the emotion too hard or whatever. And he's just like, you could just see he's like, holy shit. Yeah. I fucking love this guy. You, got, you basically start from his parole monologue and you go to that look. And that's just like Hall of Fame acting. It's not quite as good as Martin Landau and Ed Wood, but <laughs> it's like 80%. 80% there. And then uh, the last rewatchable scene, the last couple minutes, Red doing the whole. I find I'm so excited I can barely sit still a whole of thought in my head. I think it's the excitement only a free man can feel. A free man at the start of a long journey whose conclusion is uncertain. I hope I can make it across the border. I hope to see my friend and shake his hand. I hope the Pacific is as blue as it has been in my dreams. I hope. I was hoping the bus ride be a little longer because I wanted the movie. I wanted more. Him talking to just whoever he was sitting uh, next to? Something, yeah. I hope to see my friend and shake his hand. 
I hope the Pacific is as blue as it's been in my dreams. I hope leading to the beach hug. Mm. Red's hat comes off as he's walking toward him. Doesn't even care. Yeah. And he's just sanding a boat for some reason. So do you think Andy's, (laughs) has he got the hotel yet or is he just doing the boat? I think they could have done the wide shot of like the Dufresne. Yeah. Yeah. Although maybe he wouldn't have called it that. Maybe what what was Andy's that hotel called? Signaled that it Dufresne had escaped. And yeah. Gone. yeah. What well, would he have called it? Were, were there any deleted scenes at the end that you saw? No, because no. they we never saw the scene where they were hanging out. Oh. What if they're having like Corona? What if the hotel was called the Shawshank Redemption or Shawshank? Yeah, the Shawshank. That also probably would have drawn some attention. Maybe like maybe <laughs> yeah, Raquel maybe. Welch or Raquel yeah. and Rita. Yeah, something like that. All right, what was the most rewatchable scene? Huh. The roof? I think the roof for me, because I, as I mentioned a little earlier, I thought it switched things for Andy. I mean, he, he still hadn't been accepted by anybody before that. Yeah. And suddenly all those guys looked at him differently. First of all, they thought he was going to get thrown off the roof. Yeah. And then they looked at him differently as, and they got three beers and... I thought the whole movie changed at that point. Mm-hmm. He was a key member of that group. Do you, I'm going to go with roof or opera. I'm going last three minutes. I could be like standing on hot coals. And if the last three <laughs> minutes are happening, I'm just watching. I just fucking love it. And I always get mad that. Why would you be standing on I, I don't know. I always get mad that I feel like they could have stayed low for another two seconds. Before they pan away, yeah. They pan away, and then Alan, in memory of Alan Green's just coming right up. Yeah. It's like, could you have waited like two seconds on right. remembering Alan Green? Well, Can diff- I just see the hug? A different way of asking it, because all of us have caught it on TNT or TBS somewhere during the movie, which we, if you were turning on the TV and it was on, where would you want to catch it? What point in the movie? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, that's that's usually how I think a most rewatchable scene. For me, for me, it's it's when him and Red are there for the last time in prison, and he's like, "So you, so you want to go past Tommy and everything? You want to be past Tommy?" I'm just like, if that's on, I'm just watching right. from that point. On. I, I don't you, care if I saw two I, weeks. I like ago. to go post sisters. Po- I like yeah. to go post sisters. <laughs> I think like you know, yeah. pre sisters of like. Oh, I'm, I'm in the bathroom on. during okay. sisters anyway, so I'm not watching yeah. that. Yeah, if, if the sisters are <laughs> so on, I post get... post repeated gang rape. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, when yeah, you get uh, it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's, if I have the choice. Yeah. You know. What's age the best? There's a lot. So I'm an anti-narrator guy for the most part. I think it's a crutch. You've always I, been anti-narrator. Yeah, especially yeah. like when we were doing 30 for 30 and any documentary yeah. I've done, I always fight to, I think narration is a last resort. It's usually a sign that you surf, didn't do something the correctly. The doc did narration and it came off fine. It needed it because yeah. it, it was, if you do it, you got to do it. But like Maradona doesn't need narration. No. Yeah. no. If you do it, like Andre the Giant did, and if you do a doc correctly, it doesn't need narration. Mm. It's a crutch. And I think with movies, there's been a lot of cases of narration being terrible. Ironically, Forrest Gump and Shawshank, same year, are two of the better narration movies that actually needed narration. This one might be the all-time best example of narration working. I think it's this or Goodfellas. Goodfellas narration is still pretty incredible. It's a good call. <laughs> yeah. Freeman's voice, though? Yeah. I mean, I like the character that the narration in Goodfellas takes on, but Freeman's voiceover is really, really beautiful. This would be a good poll for the uh, Rewatchables Twitter feed. 
best narration. Best narration of all time. Goodfellas or Shawshank. Yeah. I think that's the finals. It's that or maybe Apocalypse Now gets in there. Saigon. What's interesting, (laughs) uh, Freeman Freeman did narration in Driving Miss Daisy as well, if you remember. Right. It didn't come off the same way. We don't like that movie as much. Oh, okay. That movie knocked... That movie won the Oscar somehow in 1989. We still are mad about it. The music has aged the best. Thomas Newman, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, in the trailer, great trailer, but the music in the trailer is Carter Burwell's score from Miller's Crossing, uh, the Coen Brothers movie. And and I remember just when the trailer came out, I still, gosh, I wonder if this the trailer was on a video for like City Slickers or something in the 90s. Because I remember knowing, seeing this trailer a couple of times and you would only see them in movies or on VHS tapes before, like when you would put the tape in there for the first time. But I, I was blown away and I was like, oh, they're going to use the Miller's Crossing music? I didn't know that sometimes they use temp music and things. Uh, yeah. I would say this this soundtrack, St. Almost Fire, and Terms of Endearment are the three things that have been used the most in sports. Mm. Like Terms when, of Endearment? Yeah, the Terms of... Duh, duh. Oh, that's right. Oh, no, that was St. Elmo's Fire. Terms of Endearment had another one, though, that got... I remember in the NBA in the mid-'80s, they would always start the CBS things. With, with Terms of Endearment? Yeah, there was some Terms of Endearment part. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, but those were the three where they want to get, like, a little emotional coming out of the gate. Mm. Um, yeah, wasn't it Terms of Endearment? I don't know. St. Elmo's Fire was... Sit, da, na, na, na. No, 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 the piano one. Oh, the piano, Sinomo's, not the sax. Yeah. 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 Um... <laughs> Another age the best. Oh, I mentioned this. The overhead shot of the prison. Mm-hmm. Deacons. Eight to nine Deacons is working. Tribute this. to Affleck. Yeah. And tri- who had it directed yet. working from the Affleck playbook, you know. But no, the the fact also, I really think it's it's in concert with Deacons' work, but the fact that this movie takes place over the course of decades and has like mild references to what's happening in the outside world there, you know, when Tommy shows up, it's like James Dean, it's the cool sixties, mm. but for the most part is completely timeless. And I think that's why it still plays well today. Yeah. There's, there's not a lot of like period behavior. So you get to make a, a timeless period piece. That's pretty incredible. The fresh fish gambling pool has aged really well for me. I like that. They like used that. to bet on this. Yeah. <laughs> It's like I got I got the tall guy. <laughs> I got the, I got fat what do you call him fat ass? Yes. Uh and that they're betting like just cigarettes. Then after he wins, Hayward's like, All right, boys, Light bring him up. up. But yeah. they're like throwing him like one cigarette. Yeah. It's I great. like I like when Red looked down and said, Andy looks like a stiff breeze would blow him yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Bill, have you ever thought about like your like what role you would play in a 1940s prison, 1950s prison society. I would have tried to be the man who can get things. Yeah. That's a great role to be. I could see you definitely running a very elaborate sports book. I definitely would have run the fresh fish pool. <laughs> it would have been like, yeah. what's the over under on Stan Mutual for yeah. at-bats today? <laughs> that would have been the highlight of the week. Yeah. The, the, the how would fresh you have, fish pool. How would you have stayed away from the sisters? I, I would have been the man who knows how to get things. Oh, okay. They would have needed me. Okay. How are they going to get stuff? Yeah. They got to come through me. The one thing, go ahead. I was, I was, I'll save it for picking nits. There's some good picking nits for this. Another, uh, what's age the best for me? Just bear with me. Andy's just, the sisters are just wreaking havoc with Andy. And Red's doing that monologue. And he goes, I do believe those first two years were the worst for him. Oh, really, Red? Do you think, you think those were the, think that might, might have been the nadir? The, the two years of gang rape maybe might, might have been the worst part for him? It just always cracks me up. Are we, we going to uh, 
nitpick at things that bothered us later. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also believe that if things had gone on that way, that place would have gotten the best of them. And then that leads to mm. the beers in the roof. Um, the three posters. So they pick Rita Hayworth, mm-hmm. Marilyn Monroe, Raquel Welch. Dad, you're older than us. Were those the right three picks? I'm going to say they were. The Raquel Welch poster is iconic. Mm-hmm. I mean, there might not have been the a Marilyn better looking Monroe, woman ever. One of the most right. and Monroe, recognizable photographs of like the 20th right. century. And yeah. that's also like classic. Ni- mid. You know you mm-hmm. were in the mid-1950s with that. We know Raquel Welch were mid-60s. Maybe Sophia Loren. Mm. Yeah. Could have fit in there. Okay. Well, she got on the cutting room floor. Um, <laughs> Boggs getting out of the hole. Boggs. Going back to a cell and Hadley's there. Two things never happened after that. The sisters <laughs> never laid a finger on Andy again. And Boggs never walked again. They transferred him to a minimum security hospital upstate. Hadley doesn't really have a light touch. There's not a lot of examples nah. of Hadley just like lightly beating a guy up. It's either he kills him or he puts him in a wheelchair. Well, Boggs, to my knowledge, he lived out the rest of his days drinking his food through a straw. <laughs> Tough beat for Boggs. You don't feel bad for him one iota. Not a second. It's like, good luck, Boggs. Good luck. Now he's drinking out of not even a plastic straw. It's like one of those environmentally friendly. A metal straw. A metal straw. Another what's age the best for me. Andy explaining the whole laundering scheme to Red and saying, You know, the funny thing is, on the outside, I was an honest man, straight as an arrow. I had to come to prison to be a crook. Ah! It's the great line. How could you be so obtuse? Oh, yeah. Best use ever of obtuse, Chris Ryan? Uh, probably in a movie, yeah. Critical mistake by Andy. Yeah, getting high, highfalutin on the warden. Do you think the warden got upset that he was being called obtuse or that he didn't know what the word obtuse meant? Call, I, called obtuse. I think even just being challenged at all. Yeah. Because you can tell in the end when he thinks, when Andy finally gets out of the two months in the hole and he's... He's doing all the work and he's shining his shoes and he's just like, the warden thinks he's broken him. The warden's like, this yeah. is exactly how I want you and it's great to have you back this way because now I got to shine my shoes and do my books and do everything like that. Well, when the warden visits him in the hall and he says something like, "Am I? do you still feel I'm obtuse? <laughs> and then he says, give him another month. I mean. Not a happy guy. This is the warden's best part when he does the. I'll pull you out of that one buck Hilton and cash you down with the sodomites. You'll think you've been fucked by a train. In the library, gone. Sealed off brick by brick. We'll have us a little book barbecue in the yard. He's so evil. You're just like, oh, I just want this guy to die. Quite a move to invoke book burning after Hitler. Oh, you know? Oh, so brutal. They'll see the flames for miles. Yeah. We'll dance around it like wild engines. You understand me? Catch my drift or am I being obtuse? You're like, ah, this guy needs to die. And he does. And then he kills himself and Red says, I'd like to think the last thing that went through the warden's head other than that bullet, which is another one sage the best. And then the other one, uh, he's still doing that issue. does the, not long after the warden deprived us of his company. It's great use of the word deprived. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is age the best for you? Anything? The score, Deacons. Uh, I just think in general, Freeman's whole performance throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, Tim Robbins has some some low Rubinek moments, but Freeman never sounds a, a wrong note the entire time. It's entire one of movie. my favorite performances by anyone ever. It's definitely like I, I'd have to make the complete list, but 
out of the 86 rewatchables we've done, it's way, way up there. Yeah, it's this. It's like in the final Ruben level. and True Romance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Wayne Grove. <laughs> James Conn and The Godfather. Yeah. I fucking love Sonny. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not Johnny Fontaine in the Godfather. No, not Johnny Fontaine. <laughs> we, I, he was a category. We forgot to put him in there. I, what was the, what was the context of the category? It was the Johnny Fontaine, you're fucking terrible category or whatever. <laughs> I think it was. But yeah, and not, you know, another thing that sustained well, bringing Tommy Williams into the whole prison. You like that. You well, like Tommy. Because I, I thought it switched uh, Andy's thinking um, when they killed and when they killed Williams. Um, Andy had had enough, and that's when he, I think, really made his decision. Yeah, Tommy is hope. Yeah, you know, and yes. he's killing his hope. Yeah. Any other? What's age the best for you, Dad? Well, I think we talked about it. I, the, the music and the overhead of the prison scene uh, hangs with me. Um, so I'm going to say for what's age the best. Uh, the there's just Morgan Freeman as the narrator. Mm-hmm. I think. Well, and now it's to the point where it's amazing more sponsors just don't have him narrate their products and commercials because you hear his voice and it's just it's like Morgan Freeman and Peter Coyote and if you don't you're not using one of those two guys you're just not doing narration right you know you mentioned earlier and I know that you've, you've never liked narrated movies that movie isn't working without narration yeah it pushes it up a notch uh what's age the worst not a lot but Andy's legal defense. Not sure who his lawyers were with that whole thing, but uh except he was very passive in his own defense. Where were his lawyers? Yeah, it's like, he where's was, your gun? You're at? right. He's it's he's passive and he's a little like fresh. Like when he's saying, like, yeah. you know, I he has something Arrogant. says something in the yeah. opening statement where he's like, I couldn't tell you because I didn't do do it. It's like you should be a little bit more upset about this whole situation. You seem a little like stoned about. Your well, wife getting murdered. What do we think Andy was doing in the car with the gun? Because it seemed like he kind of wanted to kill her. A little bit. It, Something's going on. Why is he putting bullets in a gun? Yeah. Yeah. But obviously we know he didn't do it. He was do the, we? He's the only innocent man in Shawshank. <laughs> you believe Elmo Blatch? I certainly <laughs> do. The Gil Bellows section as Tommy. It's the most convoluted part of the movie. Yeah, you could argue this would be what you cut. Do you it, think? Yeah, I I heard your case before, but I'm saying if you wanted to get this movie, if you want to shave 10 minutes from this movie, it's pretty much the same movie but without you, Tommy. You need something in the movie that takes away Andy's hope. Yeah. For, temporarily. I, I would, I would my, my amendment to your resolution is you just need, you, you just lose the GED stuff. You could have oh, yeah, Tommy yeah, show yeah. up yeah, we don't and need Tommy that. is... You know, they like him. He's this fresh kid. He's That's pretty cool. Good. And then he says, what? You, wait a second. That's your story? I know a story about that. Right. And then yeah. they do that. And then he goes to the warden. Now, in the book, mm. Tommy actually uses his, he says to the warden, like, I won't talk if you send me to a minimum security prison. And that's what they do. Oh, it's not know. that whole, that. that whole convoluted, like, I'm going to go to the warden and try and get Andy out. And then the warden's like, oh, weird. And turns his back. And he, that's not, that's not in the Stephen King, King book. The only other what's age the worst for me is, uh, and this is such a minor nitpick, but um, after Andy gets out and it's like, we were telling Andy stories and then Hayward's telling the one story of the beers on the roof. How many Andy stories were there? Kind of kept to himself. Do you think they were just sitting around telling Andy stories for three hours? (laughs) Was he like a hilarious guy? 
You have the roof story, and yeah. that's really it. Uh, yeah, yeah. You just tell the roof story over and over like again. Like, they wouldn't be like, hey, did you see this new Hank Williams record came from the library? It's pretty uh, good. No, they're like, I remember when Andy wrote those letters, man. Yeah. Oh, shit. Andy once asked, he, he had a rock. And he chiseled at it for a while and made a chess piece. I, I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. He made a whole night. You know, that's a really valid point. When they had that scene in the dining hall, I was trying to think, what were the other funny things that Andy did? Red's like, oh, the stories we told about Andy. Do you think after like a couple of decades, you'd be like, you know what? I'm going to go sit with somebody else for lunch. I mean, I love you. You're, you know, I've worked with you for almost 10 I years I think Hayward kind of ran out of surprise. I think if maybe we push in about 20 years, months. I'm going to go try and like have lunch with someone else. We're just doing rewatchables <laughs> podcasts in the prison yard <laughs> from memory. We're, we're doing the Gildo rewatchables. <laughs> What's age the best? Rita Hayworth. Oh, wow. You know, no, I'm of, going Glenn Ford. <laughs> one of the nitpicks I have, it took two years. Wait, we haven't done nitpicks yet. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead. God, Dad. <laughs> What's coming up? We're up to casting what ifs. This is going to be great because one of the reasons I want to have my dad on this pod is he doesn't know a lot of this stuff. This is going to blow his mind. The role of Andy Dufresne originally offered to Tom Hanks, who couldn't accept due to scheduling conflicts with Forrest Gump. Wouldn't have been the same movie, would it? I don't think. Or would it have been better? No, couldn't have been better. How could it be better? Tom Hanks is the best actor probably the last 40 years. There was something about Andy's six foot four frame. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm glad it's Robbins because this became, Tim Robbins kind of becomes Andy Dufresne for mm -hmm. the rest of his life, whereas Hanks is Hanks. When you see Tim Robbins in any other movie, I think he's Andy Dufresne. I couldn't feel that way about Tom Hanks. It's amazing to me that some like beer company or Apple or something hasn't filmed the commercial with Morgan Freeman and Andy and Tim Robbins on like the on the beach old, playing old chess. Old Andy oh. and Red uh, cracking yeah. open oh. a Coors Light. Just being like, it's a what I'm like, man, I can't believe we're still here. Yeah. Like if you're just trying to- Coors the whole, Light for guys who escaped from prison. Yeah. Well, <laughs> for guys were, who have hope. I thought you were going to say a commercial with them up on the roof. Or you oh, can do that too. Yeah. Where that he's good. almost ready to throw them off and suddenly we have- Three bottles of some kind of beer. But think about the goal of a commercial is to get my attention for 30 seconds. Hadley almost throwing off the roof. That would get my attention quickly. But what if it was just Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman on the beach of Mexico? And that's the commercial starting. And Morgan Freeman's talking like red. I would just be like, what's going on? Why is this happening? And then it's like... With a, with a boat in the background and a hotel over here. <laughs> right. Why is this yeah. happening? Great. A big, uh, a big sign, Shawshank Hotel. Yeah. Kevin Costner offered the role of Andy. Passed. Of the people who were offered the role, that was the one I was most curious about. Huh. I just think that he. I think he would have been really good. He would have been really good, but there's like a believability thing with Robbins where it's like, you know what? He's kind of has like a little creepiness to him. Like he has yeah. that dazed look to him. Mm -hmm. Seems like maybe he did. What if he did kill his wife? Like You wouldn't believe Costner killed his on. wife. Costner yeah. would have done his like kind of choked cry thing once and you would have been like, I, you know, whatever he needs. Well, I'll go back to the, a similar point I just made. For me, Robbins didn't click with any other roles that he had prior to Shawshank. Except Bull Durham is pretty good. Yeah, Bull Durham yeah. is pretty good. A totally different role. Um, I still think his size was a key part in that yeah. movie. Yeah. Well, this next one you're not going to like. Okay. And this person almost did 
the role of Andy and even attended table readings and declined to do the movie because he thought the director was too inexperienced. Oh. A man by the name of Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. Well, every line in this movie, if you run it through the Tom Cruise, Cruise ruins. I love Tom Cruise. He ruins the it movie. It would have been nuts. He mm-hmm. ruins the movie. There's no way. See, I, Can't I, happen. I think I see Tom Cruise. I understand you're a man who can get things. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, like you can't, you can't do that. I would have cast Tom Cruise in the role of Tommy Williams. Do you trust your wife? Uh, yeah. <laughs> she go behind your back and hamstring you? <laughs> Why are you being so obtuse? <laughs> <laughs> Just doesn't work. Tom Cruise. Um, That's bizarre that those are the, the listing of people who got offered that role. I will say though, I did think about, I did follow the cruise thing in my head and the part where Andy escapes and he has to climb down and break through the, oh, it would have been the full pipe. Ethan Cru- Oh, cruise yeah. would have been, he you would have, have been like, I do the spider it. thing. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. would have practiced crawling with Navy SEALs to get ready to get the perfect crawl. Um, young Tommy was supposed to be Brad Pitt. He dropped out because Thelma and Louise was, became a big movie and he was getting all these oh, other offers. I think Pitt would have been good in that role. Brad Pitt's really, it, that's- it, Almost a, distractingly good. Yeah. Because now gonna, when you go back, if you had watched it and Pitt's in it, it's the Tommy fun. scene becomes like way, a way bigger deal. Well, this would have been even more alarming. Boggs was originally supposed to be James Gandolfini. And the best- the, the, And he passed. He, he passed to do True Romance. So it's not like he passed to be in Look Who's Talking. He passed to be Why in couldn't he have done romance. both? Can you imagine? I, I mean, I think that maybe he was afraid of being typecast as a... As a, a terrible person? Yeah. There was a couple other people up for Andy. Not up, but like rumored to be considered... Um, I, and I think that would have been interesting. Depp, maybe too pretty, but has a kind of spaciness to him. And the one that's really interesting to me, because you have to remember this is pre him becoming a complete kind of internet meme is cage is Nicolas cage. And he has a little bit of the, the build that Robbins has. Mm. And he has a little bit of the, like the kind of mystic dizziness that Robbins has and an intensity that Robbins lacked. So I think it would have been interesting to see yeah. him in it. The one other thing is Rob Reiner, who was the co-founder of castle rock. He loved the script. He offered Frank Darabont 3 million bucks to allow Rob Reiner to direct it. And, and to produce any movie he wanted to do. And yeah, he was this. basically like, let me do this. I'll fund any other movie you want to do. Let me direct this. And his plan was Tom Cruise as Andy, oh. Harrison Ford as Red. Oh, gosh. Well, I don't hate it. Hmm. I just, I mean, obviously Freeman's the right choice. I bet it but makes more than $18 million Ford, on his Harrison Ford as Red, they definitely, you're making 100 with that. And uh, Darabont... Very smartly. And we've this has been a recurring theme in the rewatchables. Somebody betting on themselves. Darabont was like, fuck you, I'm direct, I'm directing this. This is mine. One other uh two other casting what ifs. John Favreau auditioned for the role of fat ass. Hmm. Um he said it was the worst audition he ever did. He told Empire Magazine and it encouraged him to try to lose weight, which he did in time for swingers. Well, it was such a brief role in the movie. It would have been weird to have John Favreau as yeah. fat ass though. And then the other thing is Bob Gunton, who was the warden, he, uh, the reason he got the role is he's six foot two and Tim Robbins is six foot five. So they had to have somebody within at least two, three inches of Mm -hmm. Tim Robbins because he's got to wear his suit. Yeah. 
So if you can't have like Tom Cruise as the warden and you know Tim Robbins is <laughs> Tom wearing Cruise his is walking around size thirty eight like jacket, dressed up in it's his like Chris Farley, yeah. fat guy in little coat. <laughs> but you know that's an interesting point because that scene was way at the end of the movie, and they gave enough thought that mm-hmm. they had to take account for an important scene in the last thirty minutes of the movie. Let's uh, take one more break. Hey, when's the last time you refreshed your sock drawer? If you can't remember, it's probably time for an upgrade. Bombas socks made with comfort innovations like arch support, a seamless toe, and a cushioned footbed, which is all socks speak for. Super comfortable. Come in hundreds of colors and styles, making them perfect for men, women, and kids. And what I like about them is what I love about any sock. If you're going to go get socks, get good ones. Get socks that have the thickness and are comfortable, and you know aren't going to like get a hole in them within two weeks or two months or whatever. Bombas has a new line of merino wool socks that are made from soft, warm, and naturally moisture-wicking merino wool designed with all Bombas classic comfort features. They're ready to work as hard as you are, whether you're keeping cool, whether you're doing a morning run, whatever you want. They're ready for you. And with every pair of socks you buy, Bombas will donate a pair to someone in need. Buy Bombas at bombas.com slash rewatchables today. Get 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash rewatchables, 20% off. There's some fun categories here for character people. First one is the best that guy, a.k.a. the Joey Pants Award. There's a lot of that I guys in Red's this movie. Red's entire crew feels like... It's the, unbelievable. Yeah. Mm. So we have... Just going through the well, the warden Bob Gunton, I think, just becomes the warden. Nobody calls him Bob Gunton. You see him in another movie, it's like, oh, the warden. Like that's just who he is. Yeah. Hayward the stutterer. Mm. I don't even know that guy's name. William Sadler. Yeah. Yeah. But he's been in a whole bunch of things, but yeah. he's Hayward. Boggs. Boggs, you could argue actually this might have been a bad thing for him to be in this movie. Well, because if in, you saw him in other movies, you're like, oh, aliens. that's Boggs. Yeah. He's, he's been in some stuff, but yeah. he's Kind of box. He's the guy who's like friends with Vasquez. Floyd, who's in the crew, was also the killer in Silent Rage, one of my favorite bad movies from the 80s. <laughs> and I remember being so excited to see him again. It's like, how oh, the guy from Silent Rage? His name's Brian Libby. And then somebody who joins their crew in the last hour also played Richie April in The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. And I'm voting for him because I have no idea what that guy's name is. Yeah. But He's uh he has dark hair and kind of like an evil looking face. Right. But he isn't evil in this movie. So I would say that. And then the only other that guy I wanted to give a shout out to Boggs's right hand co-rapist. <laughs> the got the muscle guy in the shower. Yeah. When he goes over to Andy, he's like, Is anybody come at you yet? And then there's another guy kind of wanders over. He's got the big barrel chest. Yeah, that was his only like, hey. That was his only scene, wasn't You're it? You're just saying, yeah. Yeah. you like that guy? No, he comes in later. <laughs> it's like strong performance. He has no lines. Yeah. But imagine that guy. He's yeah. like, he's Very like, so what are you working on? body type, yeah. Yeah. So what are you working on? I'm making this prison movie. Who are you playing? Well, I don't have any lines, but <laughs> there's three rapists. And I'm the second best rapist. I would love to see Rosillo's breakdown of how that guy got his upper body tone. He, he's very like 1940s. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, lot Dumbbells. of free weights. Yeah, mm. dumbbell work. Uh, so who's the best that guy for you, Chris? Uh, I think I'm going to save Sadler for a different one. So I'm going to go with uh, the Sopranos guy. Richie April. Who do you have, Dad? I think the warden because uh, he didn't jump out at me and it, 
uh, as being in many other movies that I watched. Actor's name is David Proval, by the way. Mm. Richie Aprile. Actor. What else was Bob Gunton in? He wasn't he in like what? He was in an action movie that I think we like. He liked. was in. It was just funny seeing him in anything else. He was in Twenty Four, I want to say too. And he was so terrific in this movie. He's great, but he's the cast you down with he's the side of my scene. Man. He's great, Demolition Man. Yeah. Patch Adams. Patch Adams. <laughs> he's in a lot of stuff. He's like Dolores Claiborne. He's in Ace Ventura. Uh, but he's never had a better role. No, no. I don't think so. No. The uh, Saul Rubinek. They knew award for uh, worst, most egregious case of overacting. For me, it's Elmo Blatch. He wakes up, gives me shit. So I killed him. Him and this tasty bitch he was with. <laughs> and it's the best part. She's fucking this prick, see, this golf pro, but she's married to some other guy. <laughs> Some hotshot banker. <laughs> and he's the one they pinned it on. <laughs> he really dials it up with the laughing. You know what? That's a great call. Uh, I didn't have him. <laughs> and this call, bro. She was packing. <laughs> like, it's like, what's going on? What is this performance? Yeah. Uh, he's described as a twitchy motherfucker. The but- only thing I was going to throw out there would be Gil Bellows, Tommy, when he finishes his GED. Crumbles it up and he throws it in the trash can. And yeah, it's off. a little. Brad Pitt might have played that yeah. a little differently. the The only other candidate would be Tim Robbins with the Zwatneo yeah. telling him, "There's a cornfield in a box. <laughs> you have to go there to see." But I think he has to play it that way. Dad, any other candidates? I don't think so. Elmo Blatch. Okay. Dion Waiters Award for the best heat check. Who do you have for this, Chris? Um. I don't know if he qualifies because he's essentially a starting player, but I'm going to go Clancy Brown. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Hadley. I'd have to look at his usage rate. It's. Pre- I think he's actually only in six scenes, but he pl- he has such like an oversized role. He's in the background of a lot of scenes. That's but- a good call. I was going to say Boggs the rapist because he's only in like three scenes, but yeah. he's so evil. Yeah. It just in those three scenes, but he's ha- putting Hadley's up big stats. Got some of the best lines in the movie. Hadley's a good call. I was going to say Brooks when he... Uh, oh, Brooks. Th- that scene where he has... My dad calling him for Brooks. He's, he has, he has the knife older. against Hayward's neck. Uh, yeah. and, and it just seems incongruous with everything else we know about Brooks and all those characters. All right. We all disagree. <laughs> I say Bugs. Half-assed internet research. Filming took place in Mansfield, Ohio. The Ohio State Reformatory served as the, uh, as the jail. People go there now. Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, yeah. I'll is, take you there. Is it still Your open? Your 75th birthday, you want to go? <laughs> go to Shawshank? Walk around? I don't know if I want a 55-year-old man taking me there. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, Roger Deakins, we mentioned. Oh. The Susan Lucci of cinematography. Yeah. Nominated yeah. for like 12 he Oscars. Got never one. Won. Yeah, he eventually yeah. got one. King never cashed the $5,000 check from Darabont for the rights to Shawshank Redemption. Oh, Must be nice. He framed it. Returned it to Darabont, accompanied by a note which said, in case you ever need bail money, love Steve. The filming on this, uh, the filming for this movie was legendarily uh, tense. Yes. Why so? The director, um, they just made them do a lot of takes. It was a little bit over his head. The movie came out great, but Freeman 
at that point had been in a bunch of movies. He'd and, been in Unforgiven where Clint Eastwood likes to be done before four o'clock every day. Yeah. Uh, One thing Darabont was doing 15 hour days, six days a week. So he said the filming was tense. Quote, most of the time the tension was between the cast and the director. This is from Freeman. I remember having a bad moment with the director. Had a few of those. Um, and then I mentioned the part when he threw out his arm and showed up with the sling. But it, Freeman took a while to embrace this movie mm-hmm. because I think the filming was really bad for him. By the time we got to the it also came mark, out, it was a dud. He probably thought yeah. he was never gonna have to think about it again. Dad, what was Andy Dufresne's prison ID number? Uh, do not remember 37927 okay I tried to rearrange these numbers in a way that would somehow reflect a great Red Sox moment I couldn't do it I tried though how hard did you try I tried it's sad how much money did Andy steal from the warden 1966 $35,000 no 370000 oh the warden 375000 adjusted for inflation in 2019 it's about $3.7 mm-hmm so good job by you him. You can get yourself a hotel. That's enough for a hotel. There. That's enough for Rita and Raquel's. There are only two women with speaking roles in the film: the customer who complains about Brooks's service at the grocery store, the bank, and the lady person. at the bank. Yeah, and that's it. The there was, another, there was another woman in the movie, on the, the one with the golf pro. No, on the, his wife. I think on the uh, the board approving. Uh, oh yeah! Oh yeah! The yeah. parole board. Yeah, parole dad, board. That's why I brought my dad. Yeah. Pulls those out. The mug shots of a young red. Terrific. I thought. That's Morgan Freeman's younger son, Alfonso. Mm-hmm. Did not know that. Who also played. I thought it was Morgan Freeman actually had a problem earlier. <laughs> the fresh fish. There's that one black guy that walks toward him. He's going, fresh fish, going to reel That's him Alfonso. in. That's also Alfonso. Hmm. Uh, mentioned the beach scene was shot at St. Croix. So don't go to Zawatnao and wander around looking for the exact spot <laughs> Red and Andy had the hut. The hotel's not Saint there? Croix. Yeah. Uh-huh. Andy crawls through the sewer pipe. It's actually not shit. You're not going to believe this, but Tim Robinson not actually <laughs> crawl through shit. Sewage. It's a mixture of water, chocolate syrup, and sawdust. Hmm. So if you ever want to make your own sewage at home, those well, are the well, three there's ingredients. A, there's a slight problem for me with that scene. So he, he crawls through five football fields. Dad, we're oh. not at nitpicks yet. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the final cut is 142 minutes dedicated to Alan Green. Who was Alan Green? Uh, Darabont's agent. His agent who uh, died of AIDS during the filming. So he wanted to give him a shout out. Um, but, you, you know, not knowing that and... Until probably the 75th time I saw the movie. I always wondered who he was. It's an unbelievable solid that he did for Alan Green. Yeah. 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 There's still, they're zooming out. You're talking probably hundreds of millions of people at this point. It's like, oh, Alan Green. Yeah. I don't know who that is. Mm. We, I mentioned several scenes were cut of red post-incarceration in the test screenings. The audience was restless as it was going. Um, Original ending, I mentioned... Um, it's him riding on the bus. And then they added the other stuff. The, uh, the, one of the producers, Glatzer, forget her. Liz, Liz Glatzer. Liz Glatzer. Who was the person who originally sort of the, made the movie. Yeah. yeah. If the movie had ended with him riding on the bus, I guess we would have all assumed that they got together. Or you leave it open. So, you know, you just don't Shawshank know Shawshank too. Yeah. You don't know what did happened. He, did Red get to cross the board? Right. Yeah. So, um, she insisted 
that we have to see them reuniting. Darabont didn't want to do it. He thought it was too commercial, too sappy. So he filmed a couple different versions of it, hoping it wouldn't make it. And then it was obvious once they did the one they used, everybody was like, oh my God, that's absolutely amazing. And they had to keep it. The oak tree, which attracted thousands of visitors annually, really was partially destroyed in 2011 when it was split by lightning and then completely knocked over in 2016 from strong winds. Cut down in 2017. The remains were turned into Shawshank memorabilia, including rock hammers and magnets made from the tree. Did I get any of these rock hammers for my 50th birthday? Not yet. (laughs) Oh, man. People don't give a shit. Um, (laughs) They said... uh, I wish wish we had done this a couple weeks ago. You could have gotten it? Yeah. Oh, we mentioned the jail before. They have the visitors. Um, 18,000 visitors, 2013. And it drew over three million to the local economy. I think more and more people are going as this movie gets. So the wall's bigger. probably still there. No, I'm talking about See, the actual prison. I was curious about whether or not this movie still like resonates for younger people. Like if younger generations are finding this movie. Well, after this I would podcast, say yes, certainly. Yeah, right. I would hope. Um, a couple more deleted scenes I didn't know about, which I never saw. There was one where they find. After Brooks leaves and he dies, they find Jake the bird and he's dead and they give him a burial. Um, uh, good, that, good cut. Good Smart cut. Smart cut. Yeah. And then um, <laughs> this bird was here. By Jake the way, was here. did you see how big Jake the bird got? Yeah. Yeah. Tommy's wife visits him in a deleted scene. They Are you serious? That. Yeah. Um, and she wants him to turn his life around and that leads him to trying to get his GED. That's cut. The uh, there's a scene after the escape, which I've actually seen, where they send a guard through the tunnel to find out how Andy escaped, and he gets down, sees the sewage pipe broken, and the swell, the smell is so overwhelming, he just starts puking, and Red hears it from his cell, and he's just like laughing hysterically. <laughs> that got cut, um, and then mentioned the um, mentioned the uh, Red stuff with him on the park. He has a panic attack in the grocery store. They cut all that stuff. Mm. So there you go. Apex Mountain. Oh, I have one more uh, half-ass internet research thing. Okay. They recorded Freeman's voiceover before they filmed the movie. And they would play it on the set when they were doing scenes. Oh. Really? Yeah. That's in the Vanity Fair article from 14. So they they recorded, he did his voiceover beforehand and he would shoot it kind of accordingly. Hmm. That must have been kind of weird. It's a little ass ass backwards, but hmm, it worked. Yeah. Apex Mountain. This is where we decided this was the peak of somebody's career. Morgan Freeman. I say, say yes, because yes. this is Unforgiven, this, and Seven. So Morgan Freeman, late bloomer, and he was in a movie called Street Smart, which I actually remember seeing when it came out or rented or whatever, and he played a pimp. Is it, is it Streets of Fire or Street Smart? Street Smart. Street Smart. He plays a kind of a semi-evil pimp and he was just great mm-hmm. and he was a late bloomer who that movie became and I think he might have gotten nominated and then that took his career up but after this it felt like but I think once the, this movie hit and seven combo of that he could do anything so don't you think part of the irony here is what was referenced earlier I don't think Freeman thought this was going to be a success, successful movie right and, and obviously that the director is going to find Unforgiven was a was a terrific movie and probably until this movie, that was 
the highlight movie of his career. Glory and Unforgiven. Yeah. yeah. My dad loves Unforgiven. Yeah. Unforgiven. Rewatchable? Yeah. Uh, potentially, yeah. Oh, I hope so. Will Money? Oh, now my dad's going to make plane tickets. <laughs> Tim Robbins, no question. Yeah. I don't even know what the other contender would well, be. Blown away. Blown, <laughs> blown away. Blown away. No, wait. He's in Arlington Road. Right? Arlington Road. Yeah, my bad. I was going to say Top Gun. He gets to ride with he's Cruise on the final scene. Yeah. He's Merlin. I think this was the apex for prison movies. So what else What are? What else is in contention here? So you could go late 70s. Escape and you could from do like Alcatraz. A, there was a Brew Breaker, Escape from Al- Alcatraz combo. Papillon. And Jericho Mile, which yeah. was won the Emmy for TV, all like in the same not twelve the month sa- span, not in the same ballpark. I think this probably peaked. Any other uh, Apex Mountain for you? I mean, all the that guys in this movie, it's Apex Mountain. For I all guess of them. it's Darabont's. I mean, it, you could make it it's either this or it's when he starts Walking Dead. But he's had a lot of stops and starts over the course of his career. So I if, would say this would be for him. Yeah. Anybody else? No, uh, this this would be it. Rita Hayworth. I think she has another apex. <laughs> All right, it's time, Dad. Let's pick some nits. Let's pick some nits. Actually, let's take one more break and then we'll pick some nits. Hey, let's talk about Luminary, the podcast subscription service with some of the best content around, including two Ringer podcasts. We did Break Stuff, the story of Woodstock 99. We're doing Rewatchables 1999 right now. We have For Love of the Game with me and Mally Rubin, which is one of the most complicated, crazy sports movies probably ever. Uh, we broke that down. That's coming later this week on Rewatchables 99. We also have a new podcast called Sonic Boom, the story of how the Sonics were stolen from Seattle and brought to Oklahoma City. That is launching in October. Um, Luminary also gives you access to a bunch of other original shows, including uh, a narrative series about Ivanka Trump, all kinds of things. Trevor Noah has a podcast there, a whole bunch of great creators. The app is free to download in addition to the Can't Miss Originals. Use it to listen to thousands of podcasts, including this one. Music, TV, film, comedy, sports, sex, whatever. Luminary is the right show for you. Get your first two months of access to Luminary's premium content for free when you sign up at luminary.link slash rewatch. After that, it is $7.99 per month. Luminary.link slash rewatch. Two months of free access. Cancel anytime. Terms do apply. All right. So these picking nits, there's there's a lot, but it's out of love. Absolutely. When you've seen a movie 300 to 400 times, I you're going to start picking some nits. It's better when there are nits to pick. Yeah. It's out of love. Yeah. There's not a lot. Ah, there's more than you think. <laughs> um, I have the biggest one. Oh, go ahead. I'll give you the floor. Okay. So... What's the plan if there's not a thunderstorm that night? <laughs> Presumably Andy read the weather report, but we're talking 1960s. It's not exactly AccuWeather time You don't yet. think he went on the internet and knew for sure <laughs> so there was going to be lightning like, and thunder? So he gets like a newspaper that's like, or a farmer's <laughs> almanac that says it's going to have a thunderstorm that night. And he had made the decision but to go that night. But he's pot committed. Yeah, he yeah, stole the guy's it. suit. Yeah. He has he's, the shoes. He's got the shoes. Yeah. He's fl- switched the books. Yeah. It's all basically dependent on him getting down to that sewage pipe and being able to crack that pipe. Presum- I don't think he could have practiced yet. I mean, maybe he knows a lot Do about- Do you think he brought the rock? I think guess. on a previous trip, but brought I, a rock, but put it down there? How does he know it's only going to take three or four hits to break that pipe? And if it doesn't, what's the plan? That's my, that's my biggest one. So I, I have a couple pipe-related picking nits. <laughs> Why doesn't he go further down the pipe? 
he to goes, break it. He goes yeah. dead middle, <laughs> and it's like, I'm going to go dead middle here yeah. and give myself another extra 50 yards of crawling through shit. Yeah. But, but, or I could just go all the way to the end of the pipe. But we, we didn't... We didn't see whether the pipe had was uh, constricted further down. They didn't show the under, other end of the pipe. Yeah, but he goes that way anyway. And then when he goes down, how does he know which way to go? What if he went the wrong way? And he's like, fuck, dead end. Now he's got to crawl backwards. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot had to no, go right here in the pipe. No, but it's a shit pipe. It had to go out. Away from the prison, but he doesn't know where he is. He's in like so. Pitch he gets black, down. I think he knows down, which he's like, the direction right. isn't the big thing. I think the big thing is he's like he needs the amount of light of thunder and lightning to break through the pipe. Then he needs to not drown in sewage, which mm. there's no guarantee that that's. But he happen. goes. He gets in the pipe and he looks left. Like what happens and he looks if he's right. like, hey, uh, warden? Funny story. Here's your suit covered in <laughs> shit. Sorry about that. Yeah, my bad. My bad. Had there was an accident in the accident dry cleaning. Accident in my, uh, like, in in my a, one bunk Hilton. It only took three swings yeah. with the rock, right? Yeah. All right. Maybe nobody would have heard it. And he breaks a hole exactly the size of his body. Well, I think there were more. It was an old clay pipe. I though. think there were more, more rock okay. then. Once he did the hole. My question is, if he knew he had to go right, why not go way further down? But and it cut out a couple of yards. But it seemed like he didn't know which way to go. So he's basically 50-50 guess. So I think the implication is that he's dug this hole over the course of 20 years. And however long this hole has been open, he's reconned a little bit of where he's going to have to go over the course of this time. But I'm just saying like the specific moment where he seems to be acting a little bit out of mm. emotion that he's been in the hole for two months that the warden, you know, he hates the warden. He gets out and he's like, tonight's the night I'm going to do it. He needs he the He does lighting. everything. He, he's got the letter. He's got the books. He's switched everything. If he doesn't do it that night, I don't know what the mm. alternative is. And then the biggest one. Well, the, what about the irony of he needs the lightning to get right. out? Mm -hmm. And then in real life, the lightning takes down the tree where he puts the note for red. That's fucking weird. Yeah. Mm. I also don't really understand. I, this is something that's bothered me for since 1994. Yeah. How does he get the poster back up? Each time. Well, Each so time he that's, a, that's another nitpick that I want to get to. I have one more thing pat, crawling through the pipe. Okay. 500 yards. Yeah. Not a short amount of <laughs> distance. Oh. We did throw up a few times. Yeah. Maybe he didn't eat that day. Think about when you've been on an airplane and somebody within five feet of you has farted. And it's been this overwhelmingly awful smell. And you're just like, this is the worst 10 seconds of my life. Can this mm -hmm. smell go away? He's crawling through sewage for 500 yards and just stopping every couple seconds to throw up. But he's very lucky because the whole pipe isn't covered with sewage. Right? It's he's very, he's lucky in that way. It's yeah. halfway. So A, the pipe's hot. It's a hot pipe. How do you know? It's a fucking sewage pipe. It's it's got to be. What do you? There's no I air know in there. What the temperature of a there's no pipe air. Is. There's in no Maine. air in there. Yeah. Okay. It's sewage. Yeah. And it's going on for 500 yards. So he's gonna he's gonna hurl a bunch. No, I think there's a chance he actually might like pass out and black out. Well, like, that, like Shawshank ends with just him <laughs> face down. He drowns to death. Not in a rewatchable. Sewage. Not a and that's just that the end happens. of the movie. There's like, where Andy? Where's Andy? Yeah. Oh, he's dead in the sewage pipe. He tried to crawl 500 yards. He that's didn't the make Paul it. Thomas Anderson version. Yeah, he didn't make yeah. it. He's dead. The smell killed him. I just can't imagine how bad that was. And then to get out, like, but this is my nitpick. 
Well, how, but how does how does he eight hours later he doesn't just reek of shit? Well, what kind of shower did he have to take? Well, he he gets out of the pipe into a stream or a lake. It's unclear, which is where all the sewage which is, is being where built. all the sewage went, <laughs> and he's washing himself with soap. Uh, he he does have the bar of soap. That's yeah, true. but maybe he went. He might have gone way down where there was less shit. I don't think there's a bar of soap on the planet <laughs> in the 1960s that could have washed the 500 yards of sewage smell off him. We, just my guess. Uh, it, so it, it right. begs the issue of when he went into the bank, whether they were all wondering why he smells. So yeah, so the suit. I, I had this in the answerable questions, but we might as well just do it here. He that's middle of the night, right? He escapes mm-hmm. probably like eleven. He's got to go to the banks the next morning. Right. He's in the middle of nowhere. He's smells like a sewage. Well, pipe. but he had soap. Yeah, so but like off. that that takes a couple of showers to get off. Like so, where does high he, pressure water? Where does he go? What do those eight hours look like so for Andy? Let's just even stipulate it's pouring that rain. The rain helped. A bus station bathroom. Like there's probably in the early sixties in mm. Maine. So he's got to walk all the way. He's got to find a bathroom. Whatever. He's a guy with a suit. His car broke down. He gets a lift. I don't know. Because he looks pretty good the next morning. He looks great. And I haven't looked this good in a morning in like 10 years. The suit looks pressed. He's got like gel. Yeah. Which leads me to the second nitpick that is just kind of unconscionable. Have you ever had a Ziploc bag in your life that worked better (laughs) than that Ziploc bag (laughs) ever in the history of mankind? It's fitting his suit. It's fitting the stuff he's got to mail to the newspapers. His chest pieces. It's got his chest pieces. It has um, stuff to write a letter well, to Red. I think in 1966, they made much better Ziploc bags. He's got, right. he's got his IDs to be Randall Stevens. Yeah. All he all needs so is to get to his foot. one day. Because once he gets out, he starts getting cashier's checks. You right? know, they cut a scene where he goes, Red, you're a man who can get things, right? I need you to get the greatest Ziploc bag everyone's ever made. Just whatever the price is, I don't care. Can it be something that I can drag through 500 yards of a sewage pipe and it wouldn't, nothing would get on it? Only hypothetically, though. Don't worry about it otherwise. And then he pulls the crucial mistake. He gets out and then he just starts running in the lake in the pouring rain, dragging the Ziploc bag. I guess he has a lot of confidence in American ingenuity. He really trusted that Ziploc bag. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, You mentioned the poster. I've had a lot of posters in my day. Um, all of them would fall down. Mm-hmm. A side would come off. I don't know what kind of stickum he had in the mm-hmm. 1960s that not only could keep that poster up perfectly, at no point does one of the corners fall down and there's just this giant gaping hole. Yeah. Um, and then on top of it, how does he get it to stick? Each time. And once when he's he goes in through the, the hole, hole, how do you get it so that it's perfectly back up? Mm. Tweezers? I don't, like, they don't, I know that seems like a little thing, but how would a guy, and also that hole is literally Tim Robbins sized. So it's not like he's like, got a lot of room to kind of move his arms around once he gets in there. They never show. We're ruining this for my dad. My dad is shell-shocked. No, I've thought of some of these things, but like, obviously every night he's in that hole that's getting longer. And what's in his bed? When they do the bed check and he's in the hole. Yeah. There's other prison movies you see. Yeah, the make, dummy. Yeah, the dummy. So, so he probably at some point gets a dummy 
puts that dummy in the hole. But the dummy wasn't in the bed when the warden went in to see what no, happened to him. I think that oh, yeah, they're supposed point. to be like, if they do a bed check, Dufresne is the last guy in his cell. So they see him come in. The guy follows him out. When he walks in, they don't see his shoes. He and goes they into his cell slacked. and he sits down on the bed. And I think everybody thinks Andy is the warden's guy. So we don't really have to worry about him that much. But kind of like kind of like you at the ringer. You're my guy. That's right. Nobody worries about no, you. Meanwhile, you got a huge hole in when your I'm office. I'm like polishing your, your <laughs> yeah, Nikes and you're yeah. just like, it's good to have you back. It's not the same without you. <laughs> Great to have you back, Chris. Um, all right, here's another nitpick. Are we done with all the nitpicks from the escape? Yes, I have another nitpick as well, though. Go ahead. Escape related? No, it's prison in general. So he plays the opera. For I don't the like this section. <laughs> this is what we do. This is out of love. <laughs> plays the opera for the prisoners. This is a late 1940s prison sound system. It's just not going to sound good. I'm sorry. The opera is not going to sound beautiful. But if you have the it, two I think Italian that that's ladies, supposed to be a moment it's where that's like a subjective <laughs> perspective of the other prisoners. So if you haven't heard music ever or since 1905 or whatever, I mean, some of those guys are in from before records were around. Brooks was there in 05. Yeah. Right. So if you're if you're hearing that, it could sound like an AM radio at the bottom of a well. It would probably sound pretty good. Would the state have really given Andy all that prison? Like, oh my God, this guy's mailing us letters. This is so overwhelming. Let's give him the money. It's like, how about just throw the letters in the garbage? Why is he intimidating you? It's just a letter. Throw it away. Well, I think there are, I think so. I think people wanted to like think that there was something happening, rehabilitative. Yeah. People like behavior to help. happening. Five hundred dollars a year. Not a not a tremendous amount of money. So you support He's that. He's getting guys oh, their GEDs. Yeah. My dad's on the defensive more than I think I've ever seen him. <laughs> he hates the section. Are we sure Andy would have fit in the pipe? Not sure. I, I think a couple of times I'm like, I don't know if the dimensions are right here for 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 a six foot five guy to squeeze through. Is that why we they wanted to screen Tom Cruise? Yeah, <laughs> Tom Cruise. Yeah. Tom Cruise, I would believe. <laughs> Is there a possibility Red doesn't find the cornfield in Buxton? I was worried about that. A lot of cornfields in Buxton. Gets this ride from some guy who clearly seems to know the cornfield. Mm. So Red goes to the guy, hey, man, there's this cornfield with a stone wall. Can you drop me off near there? Also, just like, why not, if that's what you're sending him, why not just be like, go to this post office or go to this hotel and just say, my name is Jimmy Banks. And they're going to give you an envelope. Like, why does it have to be hidden out in Buxton like that? Well, know. it was where he asked his wife to marry him. Yeah, Red, but that's not like that's not like a photographic memory for Red. No, <laughs> he's like walking through the. But forest. Red seemed Red seemed to indicate he knew Buxton. Yeah, that's true. So I, mean, I, I believe them. Almost my dad's age at this point. <laughs> you see, Andy tells him this offhandedly, like eight <laughs> eight months earlier, and he's like, "All right, so I got Zuaneo. I got the." Cornfield and Buxton with the long stone wall. My wife has some issues with Red actually being able to find the rock. Okay. It's a really long wall. I, yeah. My counter would be Andy told him it's near the tree. Yeah. It's a rock that's out of place. It's a volcanic rock. It was out of place once he dug. Um, I It probably took a little longer, but I'm not. I think that part's okay. I, I, I go with that. The yeah. one thing I don't go with. So this movie takes place over the course of what, 20 years? Yeah. 19 years. 19 years. There's no other bad guys in this prison but the sisters? 
Well, like, Andy it, had protection at that point. Well, we, we never the, see anybody else who is in any way threatening in this movie. Like the guys who they hang out with, it's just a dozen of them are basically like grown up guys and dolls characters. They just got their hats on. They're like, I yeah. love just talking about, I love telling stories about mm-hmm. Andy and eating corn. Yeah. Like, that's just what they do. There's no other bad stuff happening in this prison. But the word it insinuates there's some sodomites in there because mm-hmm. he's going to cast Andy down with them. So, so we know they're still- him? Hadley? I think once Hadley kills Boggs because Boggs fucked with Andy. Right. And they know Andy's helping the guards. Andy was doing everybody's taxes. At yeah. That. That's I, think, I think it was like Andy's hands off. It's a choice. Yeah. I had a little nitpick though. Yeah, there we why, go. He's why, giving it to the dark side. Finally. <laughs> well, why did it? Well, why did it take two years for Andy to get some protection? From, That's a great question. You know, that I mean, he was already forming a friendship with Red. Red had a a lot of connections in that prison, well respected. Why didn't Red say, "Get some help for Andy"? Are we sure Red was good? No. <laughs> Red overrated. Coming up next. Coming up next. That first take. I'll tell you why Red is actually the bad guy in Shawshank. No, 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 no. Coming up next. I didn't come on here to have this whole thing ruined in my mind. Why the warden is misunderstood. Coming up next. Did Andy leave Shawshank because Red let him down? Uh, And then my last nitpick. I just thought the Alan Green shout out, which I totally respect, was just two seconds too early. That's it for nitpicks, right? Yeah, that's it for nitpicks. All right. Best quote. There's a million. We've mentioned mm. a lot of them. Mm. I think I think my favorite quote in this movie is uh Name's Red. Red. Why do they call you that? Maybe it's because I'm Irish. So you mm. got that. Um, I like when when the 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 security the prison guard says, congr- he's congratulating Red, uh, Andy on the library money, mm-hmm. and he's like, "All right, I'm gonna go pinch a loaf," and then he just That's leaves. Your favorite line. No, it's just so redemption. funny. I'm gonna go Jeez. pinch a loaf. <laughs> I've never heard that in a movie before or since. I love how much do you trust your wife? Um, I love Red's speech at the end. There's not a day goes by I don't feel regret. There's not a day goes by I don't feel regret. Not because I'm in here, because you think I should. I look back on the way I was then. A young, stupid kid who committed that terrible crime. I want to talk to him. I want to try to talk some sense to him. Tell him the way things are. But I can't. That kid's long gone, and this old man is all that's left. I mean, the movie's loaded with quotes. I don't even know how we pick one. Next category. Could this be remade as a 10-episode Netflix show? Mm-hmm. I yes. wouldn't, I would not support it. I wouldn't support it, but I think that you could do a lot of other stories the way that they have it structured. So you could have like a Tommy episode. You could have a Hayward hey, conquering a stuttering. <laughs> a stuttering episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not something I would watch. Hadley, what his home life was like. Yeah. yeah. Hadley, Hadley in his new Cadillac with his, <laughs> with his wife not hamstringing him. Hadley is an overbearing sports dad. Yeah. He wants his son to play with a concussion. Are these guys all Red Sox fans? Because they're no, up they're in Maine. In, oh, they're in Maine. Yeah. 
Yeah, why weren't the Red Sox more prominently mentioned? They could have thrown a, thrown a Red Sox. How were the there. Red Sox over this twenty year stretch? Right. Well, you could have you could have fixed the season so that does he escape in sixty six or sixty seven? Sixty six. So they could have nudged it to sixty seven, the impossible dream, and yes. But but they had no radio. They had no newspaper. True. They had no knowledge of anything on the outside. That's true. Um, unanswerable questions. We've covered everything. There, there's one piece I wanted to mention. There's like a a Christian mythicism. Yeah, the allegorical. Yeah, that people that Darabont is just like. I think it's cool that people see all this stuff, but that wasn't our intent. But basically, the angles are Andy is a Christ-like figure, mm-hmm. which he does this at the end, which is um, a nod to that. The prison roof is like the Last Supper with all those guys having the beer. Um, Red calls them the lords of all creation at some point. Andy does, um, I mentioned the Christ pose. The warden, the Bible, all that stuff. He goes, Jesus. Saving, right? yeah. He says, I am the light of the world. He's Andy's savior. Mm-hmm. Um, Zawatneo is heaven, paradise, whatever you want to say with that. Um, Andy says it's a place with no memory, forgets your sins. They're washed away by the ocean. The director says, that's cool, but that's not what we were going for with any of that. But I think it speaks to the movie. People have seen this so many times, they kind of see what they want to see with you this know, movie. I have to say, I never thought of it that way until you just laid out all those different references. But there's a piece there to think about. Yeah. There is a little bit of a religious well, a certain, thing. When you have like a a story that's as sort of universal as this one, which is essentially just about perseverance and and hope triumphing over hopelessness, you're going to be able to draw a lot of like connections between that and some of like the sort of good over evil foundational texts of Western civilization, you know? And I really did use this for various Red Sox columns and it really is (laughs) various. It really is like, it's a sports movie in a lot of ways where it's like, the last game is Andy's escape. Yeah, you're just, you're believing in something. You're just grinding it out season after season. And you shouldn't have hope, especially when, like, fantasy right now, rooting for the Jets. Like, that dude's Andy he's, he's and Shawshank. In, he shouldn't have any hope. Of the yeah, he's, he's fucking in the hole right <laughs> yeah, now. Right. And he's just no escape. And then, like, Sam Darnold comes in. He's like, Tommy. Yeah. And then Sam Darnold gets gunned down. He's he's just got that glazed look walking around the chess pieces. But this is a parallel to fans with fan base or fan bases of franchises that are just screwed Mm -hmm. and there's no way out. And there's, you know, there's some fan base like the Lions right now. If you're a Lions fan, you watch this movie, you're like, it's kind of like my life as a Lions fan. Who are the the sisters in that sports? Just every every bad season. Okay. Uh, Who won the movie? Freeman. Yeah, Freeman. Although I was surprised I how easy I love Dandy too. I was surprised how easy the Freeman answer He's was. He's the for soul this. of the movie. There's mm-hmm. a because the mix between the great balance this movie strikes is between sentimentality and cynicism. There's like a certain there's like you know he'll say two or three extra lines to kind of sweeten it up a little bit and really lay it on thick. But then the movie also has like a really kind of nice pragmatic realistic. Hey, you know this is the way it was, and that's just too bad. Kind of kind of tone to it and he's the perfect narrator for that he's the perfect avatar mm. for that and I, I that last scene before the parole board when he totally changes yeah. what he says i think epitomizes what you're just referencing yeah, i don't yeah. give a shit yeah so we have a facebook group for the rewatchables and we have a twitter feed at the rewatchables 
if anybody can explain the sewage pipe part better, some of the holes in that one, I'd love to hear it. I thought it was a pretty big sewage pipe. I'm positive I would have gone 100 yards further down. If anybody wants to dig up a farmer's almanac and tell me what the weather was in Maine. The lightning? That year. Yeah. Mm. And if anyone has any ideas of what Andy did for that eight hours, mm-hmm. <laughs> check it in shirtless into yeah. the Buxton Hilton. And how he doesn't walk into the first Maine, Ma- mm. Maine National Bank smelling like he's been in a sewage pipe did, all night. Where did he get that suit pressed after he put it out of the uh, Ziploc bag? They they could have done a, a better job of making this suit seem a little tighter on him since yeah. he was definitely or taller more than Orton. Yeah. Something like that. Um, I guess my last question is, Shawshank 2? Those guys hanging out in Tulum, just sort of running yeah. a money laundering it's business? It's like 1990, they're, they're in a hotel. Yeah. Like if Netflix was just like, Ted Sarandos is just going. All right, Shawshank 2, who do you have playing these two roles? No, it's it's got to be Morgan Freeman and Andy. And it's set in like 1984 in Mexico, and now the cops are after them, or 1978 in Mexico. But they've got to be bad. in the period piece. They've broken bad, and now they're laundering money they're for broken cartels. Bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Mexican cartel is yeah, after them. Sicario. I would watch the first 20 minutes. I forgot to mention in the nitpicks, I just feel like they paint over the Brooks was here. Mm. I thought, what I do you thought, mean? I thought the carving told you. He hangs you himself. Right, yeah, o- right under where he carves Brooks's here. Yeah. So then they're getting that room ready for the next person. And somebody's like, should we maybe paint over the, the guy who <laughs> hung himself in the room and wrote Brooks's here? And they're like, no, I think that keep was it. SRO place. I don't know if they're doing a lot I, of I don't think they cared. Place. They would have cared about what happened in that room. The people who own that. What are the ads that Red gets the exact same room? I'm going to say five to one. I think everybody who gets out gets that room. They get the Brooks suite? Yeah. The Brooks Hadlin Memorial suite? <laughs> yeah. God. I think so. You think the warden would have let them name the library after Brooks? That seemed that seemed like a stretch. The warden really let Andy get away with a lot. The warden's taking kickbacks from everybody. He's got 12 and- to 15 guys sitting around filing books and listening to Hank Williams all day. It doesn't yeah. seem that hard. Like, what a great library. But yeah. the warden's pumping money everywhere. 12 different banks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's not complaining. Randall Stevens. Would you watch a, that would be one of the Netflix episodes, Randall Stevens. Yeah. I would watch a whole breakdown of how Robbins get, gets through that and then gets down to Fort Hancock and crosses the border. <laughs> well, what a movie. The Shawshank Redemption. What a birthday present to me. Dr. Bill, for thanks. For Chris Ryan and Dr. Bill. Uh, thank you for including me. Yeah. Happy birthday, pleasure. Bill. Thank 20 you. 25th anniversary. The Rewatchables is coming back in October. Thanks to Hotel Tonight, summer is over. That doesn't mean vacation has to end with Hotel Tonight's daily drop feature. Save money on a spontaneous trip in most cities. Maybe you can go to Zwantneo and stay at Rita and Raquel's. Use daily drop to unlock a special deal. Once unlocked, you have 50 minutes to book. Unlock a new deal just for you every day, whether you're searching for tonight or a few weeks away. Daily drop, an awesome way to save big. Hoteltonight.com, go there or... Download the app to unlock a getaway today.